Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about what all hopeful adoptive families need to know before starting the adoption process. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name's Tim Elder, and this is the podcast all about domestic infant adoption. If you're a faithful listener to the show or your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining me for uh, another great episode today. And I'm excited to have Kiana Carr on today to cover what you need to know before starting the adoption process. And this episode is sponsored by Bethany Christian Services. Bethany is a full-service Christian nonprofit adoption agency with locations in 36 states. They've been helping people adopt since 1944, and they're going to help you create an adoption plan that's right for you and your family. And they'll be here with you to support you all along the way, every step of the way. And the journey doesn't end when your adoption is finalized. Bethany offers post-adoption services for families, adoptive parents, adoptees. And I invite you to go check out some of their stories and learn how you can get started at bethany.org forward slash infant adoption guide. Okay, so on today's episode, we have a fantastic discussion with Kiana Carter from Bethany Christian Services. We cover so many topics about what you need to know before starting the adoption process. You're going to get a ton of great info, great resources, and places where you can dive even deeper into each topic that we discuss. So let's jump right into the interview. Here you go. All right, my special guest on today's show is Kiana Carter. She has worked for Bethany Christian Services for 10 years, has a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. She recently shifted roles into the domestic infant adoption program after being a pregnancy counselor for over eight years. She's also a post-adoption specialist for Southern California. She's very passionate about adoption. She believes strongly in Bethany's mission, which lovingly serves families with compassion, professionalism, wisdom, and faith. She's originally from Nebraska, from Alaska. I got Nebraska in the mind. She's originally from Alaska and lived a time in the Midwest and now has been back in California for 10 years. And also here's a very cool, fun, interesting fact about her. She was adopted at seven months old. So well, hello and welcome to the show, Kiana. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well, Tim. Great, great, great to have you on the show. Uh, I love this this topic uh, or it's actually a lot of different topics uh, crammed into one episode. It's going to be fun, fun to get through because, you know, there's a lot of, there's thousands of families every year who adopt a baby from somewhere in the U.S. And many of those families who want to adopt just have a ton of questions like, like we did when we first started. You know, they quickly learn the adoption process is complicated. There's a lot of decisions to make, a lot of things uh, going on. So I'm very thankful to have you on the show. So we try to simplify as much as possible what all hopeful adoptive families need to know before starting the adoption process. Kind of like an FAQ here. We're just going to cover a lot of different topics, not get too deep in them, but we'll provide resources along the way. So I'm excited to get going. Uh, And I really love it. If you would just start by sharing a little bit about your story. I mean, it's really interesting that you're an adoptee and now you're working as, or you have been working as an adoption professional. So I think that's really cool. If you could share a little bit about your story, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Uh, So I was adopted when I was seven months old from the state of Alaska. That's where I was born. I was in and out of foster care for those first seven months and then uh, released for adoption. And I would say I, I thought about working in adoption probably off and on 
when I was, you know, in high school, but I, I had kind of forgotten about it, to be honest. And then when I moved back to California, I was looking for a job and couldn't find one anywhere. And I remembered Bethany Christian Services. So I called the office. Um, they just so happened to be looking for a pregnancy counselor at the time. They hadn't even posted it yet. So I just called at exactly the right time <laughs> for that. And then nice. I, after working for Bethany for about six months, I was embarrassingly so still kind of unpacking <laughs> at the time <laughs> from my move. And I was pulling out, you know, all my books and stuff. And I, I pulled out this journal that I had kept in high school and Bethany had come to our high school way back when and, and done a service, you know, given a chapel there. And after the chapel, I had written in my high school journal, wouldn't it be cool if I worked for Bethany one day? Wow. And here I am. Awesome. <laughs> so it's been a really unique experience. I, I've worked on the, on the birth parent side of things, and now I'm working on the adoptive family side of things. And as an adoptee, it's just been a really wonderful perspective, I think, to have because when I was working with expectant parents, I would always think about my birth mother and I would want to treat them and help them in the way that I hoped that she was treated and helped. Mm -hmm. And then now working on the adoptive family side of things, I'm thinking about my parents, you know, and, and, and again, wanting to kind of assist them and, and help them through and, uh, you know, make it as smooth and, and less scary as possible <laughs> to get through this adoption process. And then now I do post-adoption. So now I work with adoptees also, you know, and helping them in their search process, you know, when they're ready to start looking for their birth parents. And so it's just been a real blessing for me to, to be able to work with all three parts of that triad. That's amazing. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. You have a perspective. Very few people have, I think uh, that's got to <laughs> help you in everything you do in the adoption field. So that's, yeah, for that's sure. really cool. Well, you're the perfect person to have on then because this cover, we're covering so much information here, but really we're geared towards it, the helpful adoptive families, the people that are trying to wrap their brain about what, what is the adoption journey? What does it look like? How do I even get started? So we're going to go through all that. And uh, like I said before, we're not going to dive real deep in, but we'll give you resources on where you can go if you do want to dive in deeper. I guess the first questions are really very simple. I mean, how, a lot of people have two main questions. How long does it take to adopt a baby? And, and how much money do I really need to set aside to help pay for adoption professionals to help us? So you maybe we tackle the first one first. How, how long... I know it's a trick question. It's hard to answer. How long does it take to adopt a baby? <laughs> it is a trick question. Um, how long does it take? You know, I, I would say it might take a little longer than you think. So don't wait too long to start this process. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, a paperwork process that you go through where you have to turn in a bunch of things and submit paperwork. And that paperwork process, just to get that all done, can take, anywhere, I would say on average of three or four months just to complete that. And then you're going to complete your home study and that can take another few months to complete that. And then you are what we would call a waiting family. 
now through the agency that I work with and locally in Southern California, currently the average wait is just a little over two years for an infant. Yep. And that is really going to, I mean, it is an average. Yeah. <laughs> so some families that we have wait like a month before they're, they're chosen and, and placed with a child. And then some families wait four, five, six years. You know, and then somewhere in the middle is this average time. So it it, it depends greatly on uh, what you're open to, you know, what the circumstances are. It varies by agency, by location. But that, you know, if I had to give an average, it's about two years. Yeah, and it's really hard to, to give that average. You're right. There's so many variables that go into that. I think anybody listening to this can, can do a little more research on that. But be careful. Anybody, any professional is telling you, oh, you can adopt in a matter of weeks. That's uh, I, that's a red flag right there. I would yeah. question that. Even if they're promising in a matter of months, that's kind of, that's hard to guess or even estimate because... There's so many variables and and it goes into your preferences on what kind of adoption you even want. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, the, the two things I, I wanted you to cover though, before we get into any further questions is I wanted you to talk about community and what community means to hopeful adoptive families. And then one other important thing that a family needs to know before they get started in the process. Sure. So community is key. I, I think if there is one piece of advice that I could give any family that's considering adoption is get yourself involved in some type of adoption community. Uh, obviously, it's maybe a little bit easier to do that when you're in the process, but you can do that before you enter into this process. You know, everyone, adoption is a lot more popular than it used to be. So everyone probably knows someone who is adopted. Or know someone who knows someone right, who right, has adopted. Yeah. So, you know, reach out to those people. Get, you know, talk with them. Talk about nothing is really going to be more helpful to you in this process than talking to other people who have been through this process. Because they know what the feelings are, what the ins and outs are. And I think we all just learn better through stories yeah. and through real life situations. So... Find yourself a community. You can you can do that by connecting with family members, maybe who have adopted or or know about that experience. Your friends, maybe people through your church or through other community groups. Once you're in the adoption process, I encourage everyone to connect with other couples that are in the same program. Exchange numbers with them. There's adoption conferences that you can go to to connect with other people. There's one coming up in, this is in California, but there's one coming up in May that's called Choose Joy. And I'm sure that they have these all over the U.S. I just know of the one here, but it's a two-day conference and it's all on adoption and infertility. And anyone can go to it. You don't have to be in the adoption process to attend because it's for both. It's for adoption and infertility. And it's just a wonderful way to meet other people who are experiencing the same thing that you are and to kind of, you know, get a little bit more education. The more you know about adoption before you enter into it, the the easier it's going to be for you and the less scary it's going to be. I would also say with community, 
by building community now, you are also now setting your child up for having adoption community. And that's important. You know, as your kids get older that, you know, they have other people in their life that are also adopted and, and uh, you know, that they can talk to about, you know, things that might happen in school or, or other issues that they may run into as they're an older adoptee. So you're not only doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for the future of your children. Absolutely. I would agree with that. After adopting twice now, uh, we, I would totally agree with that. Community helps out. And I wish we would have gotten even started even earlier um, in our process of trying to find a community and, and people that have done that. That's, it's huge. Yep. Yeah, it's huge. And I would say, you know, the families that I work with, the ones that are involved in community just do a lot better. They, you know, they are less scared of things that happen. Adoption's really, it's a scary process, <laughs> but they're, you know, they have less fear with it because they have more understanding and education about the process. And, and the families that don't ever engage in community, because just as with infertility, adoption can also be very isolating if you let it. And I, I would just encourage people, don't let it. it. It doesn't have to be isolating. Yeah, you can definitely feel alone and overwhelmed. <laughs> and having community helps you with both those things. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned infertility there. Um, did you have a, something you wanted to share about um, people coming out of infertility and into the adoption process? Yeah. You know, this I actually really learned from another adoptive mom. The story that she always tells is they this particular mom, they've adopted three children now, um, and she said the biggest lesson that she learned in this process was that adoption, adopting children, didn't fix her infertility. And what I mean by that, and, and now I see it all the time, but what she meant by that is the pain that's there, if you're coming to adoption from a place of infertility, the pain of, of not being able to have biological children isn't going to be healed by adopting a child. Those little things that, that get to you about infertility are still going to get to you after you adopt a child. So, like, she will tell stories about going to a mom's group, which she can go to now because she has children, <laughs> you know. So in yeah. that way, she feels very connected to these other moms. But even now today in these mom's group they tell the story of the delivery. Right. Or what they it's like being pregnant. They tell the story of breastfeeding, yep. you know, and, and she can't participate in those stories. Right. So there's pieces of that infertility that are always going to be there. They're there when you're in the matching process with an expectant parent. You know, if you're matched with an expectant parent that maybe is using drugs, that little bit of infertility is going to poke at you because you're mm -hmm. going to think, well, if I was able to be pregnant, I wouldn't be doing that. You know, those little things just keep coming out through that process. So I, I tell families, don't feel like you have to have your infertility all wrapped up and wrapped up in a nice little box and put up on the shelf. We don't expect that your infertility is going to be completely resolved. Uh, it's just always going to be with you. Yeah, that's great advice because... Going into the process, uh, I think some families do, and we kind of felt that way. Do we have to be totally past this infertility grieving process, or where where do we need to be? And I think that's great advice because you need to be aware that you're right. You're it's never going to be. You may never get fully resolved. <clears throat> I think that's super important. Yeah. Okay. 
<clears throat> well, let's get into some more questions here. I mentioned earlier a little bit about the finances, like what it would, what a family should expect to have to pay adoption professionals to help them adopt a baby. I mean, you really need adoption professionals, uh, agencies, attorneys, those kinds of things to uh, help you adopt. So what can you tell families like how much to expect to have to pay to adopt a baby in the U.S.? So this is this is another question that's going to vary a lot. It's going to vary a lot by the state that you live in. It's going to vary a lot by the route that you choose to go through, whether that's a facilitator or an attorney or a private agency. I can tell you what our fee is locally in Southern California for domestic infant adoption. It's $28,500. And for Southern California, that's about middle of the road mm-hmm. price-wise. So it's kind of an average price. Um, but like I said, it's really going to vary by the route that you choose. It Typically, this might actually vary by route too, but I know through us, it's not due all at once. So sometimes that helps people to kind of come down off the ledge a bit when you <laughs> tell them how high this fee is. Yeah. Um, but it's due kind of piecemeal throughout the process. So it doesn't bite you all at once. If you'd like, I can talk a little bit about like financing, fundraising options. Yeah. Um, and I, well, first of all, I think what we need to get past is like some of the shock there, like you said, I mean, 28,000 and that's the average. I mean, that, that, that can blow people's minds. And I, I think the reason we need to explain a little bit of the reason that the reason is you have professionals that do work for you to help guide you through the process. So like in Bethany's case, I mean, you're a, a full service agency, you know, a lot of services you provide are incorporated in that. And that's true with a lot of agencies. And some people decide, maybe I don't want to go with an agency because I don't want to spend all that money. Well, you might still spend that money getting the services from different places. So I guess I just wanted to provide a little bit of background on what that cost, why that cost is that. But yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, so um, I can speak to a little bit of, you know, why it costs so much as well. It, it You're right, it does cover a number of services. The most important, I think, is counseling. So Absolutely. you as the adoptive family get some level of counseling as you're going through the home study process. And there's someone there kind of supporting you through the wait and helping you, you know, when times get tough. And then there's a counselor that works with the expectant parents and, and counsels them and, and makes sure that they're making a decision that, that they can live with uh, and that they are confident in and providing post-placement counseling to make sure that she's grieving okay and, and has someone that is there for her. So they're really important services. It includes filing legal documents, um, making sure that you have a, a legally binding adoption. Um, so it's the fees go to really important services that you'll be glad that you have. There's low-cost adoption loans that you can take out. Uh, depending on what you're open to, there are adoption grants that you can apply for. Typically, those are for if you are open to a special needs adoption. And then there's several ways that people do fundraising to help raise money to adopt as well. Yep, and there's an adoption tax credit that's uh, given yep. out at the federal level. So on your federal, federal tax return, you can... Uh, Find some information on that too. I have some resources on the infantadoptionguide.com blog as well for that. Are we covered for costs there in finance? I know that's a huge topic. We could 
Amen. Definitely dive into a lot more of, uh, but we'll provide the folks for more resources. Let's move on to a few more questions here. Um, okay. Let's talk about home studies. Okay. So a home study, people ask, you know, all the time, why do we need a home study? And probably secondarily, why do you need to know this much information about me? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that that's probably one of the more frustrating parts about adoption for prospective parents. Because uh, again, this kind of feeds back into infertility a bit, but it feels like, why do you need to know this much information? Why do I have to jump through all of these hoops to adopt a baby when everybody else can just go have babies? <laughs> is kind of the feeling that, right. that comes upon you. But it's it's an important part of the process. It is basically a family assessment, so assessing your stability as a family and also assessing your knowledge of adoption, your family's level of comfort with adoption, your background history, you know, your childhood. We talk about your childhood history your marriage, you know, what you enjoy doing as a family. It's just a, an overview of you. And what I always tell adoptive couples is, at least for me, we're not looking for reasons why you can't adopt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not what a home study is about. <laughs> a home study is about making sure that you're ready yeah. and doing anything that we can to help prepare you for adoption. Absolutely. Also, I, I always tell people that home study is uh, it's it's a way for an expectant parent to say, hey, these people have been vetted. These aren't yeah. just people that are coming out the street that uh, nobody knows anything about. No, they've had background checks done. They've everything has been checked out on this this family. So that was a common question when I was a pregnancy counselor mm. was how do I know my child's going to a good family? And you're exactly right. The home study. They, yeah. they have been thoroughly vetted <laughs> yes which is why it's required from every adoptive family i mean i don't care where you're adopting from you need a home study and we'll provide some more resources on it if you want to dive deeper into what what all is involved in a home study but uh thank you for covering that let's get into another topic that's kind of we we brushed on it a little bit but uh, how do you go about choosing the right adoption professionals so many people ask you know do i go agency do i go private adoption what even what is the difference and that is, I know we could, we could go on for hours about how to choose the best professional for us, but if you could give us a few tips. Gosh, yeah, there's so much. So kind of the three main ways to go about adoption, I would say, would be attorney, facilitator, or agency. Some things I think that go into how you are choosing would be the services that are offered, and what's included, you know, in the cost, what is the cost. Uh, and another thing I think that some people think about is, do they want to go with a, some a attorney or an agency or facilitator that, that is, has a similar faith background as they do? The differences between them can help you decide as well. So typically with an agency, you are getting what I call the all-you-can-eat buffet of adoption. <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of pay one big fee, but it includes all the services. So it's yeah. all done in-house. So the legal stuff is done in-house and the counseling, and you're just all working through just one entity. 
some families choose to go through an attorney, an adoption attorney, if you do do that, I would just strongly encourage you to find an adoption attorney that is what's called a quad A attorney. It's the American Association of Adoption Attorneys. Uh, an attorney is going to, an attorney and a facilitator are going to be more what I call a la carte services. So you're paying for each specific service separately. So you're paying the attorney to do their services. You're paying an adoption service provider to do the counseling services. And you may be paying like the state or the county to do post-adoption services, just as an example. Yeah. And Same I'm, with a facilitator. A facilitator is just going to match you with the birth mother, and you're then you're going to be paying an attorney separately to do their portion, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of, I think, depends on just how you want to go about it. Yep. And yep. probably, you know, referrals that you get from friends. I, again, community, very important. Just kind of ask around and find out what other people have done and what their experiences have been. Yeah, I would say I tell people, you know, if you like a little more handholding, like you really are want somebody to guide you through the process and be there every step of the way, I would go agency because right. a, a full service agency. Be, and most of them are because I think you just have so many, uh, like you said, resources and services that are all in house. So you can help guide people through uh, the process much smoother. In our case, we've done independent adoptions through facilitators and attorneys. And after you do it once, you kind of get a little bit of the ropes and you can understand a little more what questions to ask and how the process works. So maybe a little bit easier doing it. Uh, oh, maybe not easier, just different. <laughs> doing an independent yeah, adoption. It, it really depends on the family. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would say exactly right. Like an independent adoption, you are more independent. <laughs> yeah. You are making you are kind of doing things on your own yes. a little bit more than yes. you are with an agency, but that works really well for some families. It, it also seems to me that sometimes independent adoptions are a little bit quicker than agency adoptions. But again, that depends highly and heavily on what you're open to. Yeah. And some agencies are local. Some agencies are not like, um, Bethany or other agencies that go all over the country. There are some right. agencies that are just in your own little territory, your own little uh, town even. So be careful about that when you're uh, asking about agencies and what they can do for you. We can provide more resources there too uh, of how to uh, find the best adoption professional because that's, that's a big topic. It's been covered um, a lot and uh, at least on, on infiniteadoptionguide.com. So let's... Boy, we could go a lot more into that, but let's go into uh, open open adoption. It's another huge topic, and a lot of people get nervous about it. I was nervous about it. My wife and I were when we first started. We were like, "What is this? Is this co-parenting? Is this you know what? What does open mean? How open do I have to be? Can you briefly describe what really what it looks like and um, yeah. kind of give people a feel for what open adoption is?" Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I my adoption was from the era of closed adoption. So mm -hmm. open adoption was new to me, too, when I first started in this field. Um, you know, I would say, number one, open adoption is not like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually yep. tell people when you start in this process, just stop watching Lifetime. Don't ever watch <laughs> those movies again. <laughs> you know, open adoption is can be really beautiful. And it's also awkward, you know, just you got to be real about the whole thing. And, right. 
and you are, it's, this is a relationship of investment. It's not, you don't meet an expectant parent and then in the same day, you know, invite them to your home and give them your phone number. And this builds over time. Mm-hmm. And as you're getting to know this this expectant parent, you know, you're building that relationship, you're becoming more comfortable with her. So I find that these relationships kind of happen organically on their own. And and in the end, they can be really, really beautiful just to have access to your child's medical history, uh, to have when your child asks questions, and they will ask questions. I don't care how wonderful their parents are (laughs) and how (laughs) wonderful their adoption has been, they're still going to ask you questions someday. And to have a connection with the the parents, the birth parents, you know, you have easy access to answers when your child has questions, which I think can go a long way. It's hard for your child to ask a question and to have to say, I don't know. For the moms, the birth moms, open adoption really helps them to heal it uh, provides a reassurance that they made a good decision, that their child is happy, their child is well-adjusted, the family is happy and thriving. So it's a really good process for them to go through. Um, for the child, as an adoptee, again, just access to information. You know, it. it uh, these kids aren't confused. That's a question that I get asked a lot. Like, won't they be confused about who they're, mom is, um, even if you have a relationship with the child's birth mother, when your child falls and skins their knee, they're going to run to you because you're their mom. Uh, you know, she's going to be a part of their life and, and they're going to know who she is, but it's not confusing to them. To them, it, it's normal. This is, this is, I've had other kids, actually, I had a family that they have biological children and adopted children. And it's the biological children, actually, that say, I wish I had a birth mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because the adoptee, you know, gets to have these visits and, you know, to have more people in their life to love them. Um, So it's nothing. You do have to do a bit of education and really, you know, read books. There's books available. Um, Again, community, you know, find other families that are in open adoptions. Read blogs about open adoption everything that you can do as early as possible to learn about it, the more comfortable you're going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Hearing stories is big. Uh, We had a recent episode here. Episode 45 was all about open adoption. So I encourage anybody to go back and listen to that. But for us uh, in our two adoptions, uh, open and open is on both of them. And one's a little more open than the other. And that's just not by our choice, but by birth mom's choice. And that's okay. We're just open to whatever they want uh, as far as, as um, having communication and within reason of boundaries. You know, for us, we right. have boundaries of of distance, which makes it a little bit, I guess, easier to have a boundary because they're, they're so far away. But for us, it's it, we tell them, you know, you're our family from now on, forevermore. You're our family. We're connected. So right. that's that helps in i guess establishing and keep keeping your relationship going because you you don't just let your family go and in your relationship you continue to cultivate it so that's what we do in our open adoptions 
Yep, exactly. Totally agree. Okay, well, there's a lot more to cover there too, but let's move on to a big question that comes up is, okay, we've started the adoption process, or maybe we even haven't, maybe we even haven't started the adoption process, but how do you go about locating an expectant mom who will like us, who wants us to be parent of their child, you know? How do we present ourselves to an expectant mom that would say, hey, this family would be great to be a parent of my child? Yeah. You know, that, again, might vary by agency. As far as expectant mothers and what they're looking for, probably 90% of the time when we ask them what they're looking for, they say a stable, loving home. And that's pretty easy, right? Right, right. <laughs> we could do that, provide a, a stable, loving home. <laughs> um, beyond that, some expectant parents are looking for more specific things. You know, occasionally they have an age range that they're looking for or, you know, parents that have a certain educational level. Sometimes they're looking for families that have no children. Sometimes they're looking for families that have children. <laughs> You know, most places are going to have you submit something called an adoption portfolio or a profile book, which is kind of like a scrapbook, you know, full of pictures of of you guys and your family and vacations and, you know, stats about you. Yeah. And I would say in those books, get really nervous about what they're supposed to put in that book. You know, how do you (laughs) put your best foot forward in that moment? And and really, you just want to present yourselves in the most accurate and honest way possible. So I tell people, like, do not go out and have a bunch of professional photos taken. Right. <laughs> like, just the, the expectant mom wants to see who you are, and she is going to be envisioning what her child would look like in your family. Yeah. So you put pictures of your house in there and, and pictures of what you do on vacation and... And also, if she looks at a book and then has the opportunity to meet you, she's going to want to know that the person that she's meeting in person is the same people that are in the book. You know, and know that the connection she has with these people on paper is the same connection that she has with them in person. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is present yourself as something you're not. Uh, That that will backfire you a big time. Yes. Yeah. And in the end, there's not any one thing that she's going to latch on to, you know, people want to know, like, what do I put in the book? What <laughs> it's always something different. You know, it, it could be that she likes your dog yep. in the end. And that's why she picked you. So you just, there's no surefire, put this in, and then you're definitely going to get picked in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Yes. And there are a lot of tips that you can, that you can find about how to put together a, a good profile you know, so it's not a, a thousand pages long. So uh, expect the yeah. mom won't go, oh, I'm not even going to look through that or have a lot of pictures. And if you do have pictures, you put captions to it so you can make sure they're understanding what they're looking at in their in the photo. There's a lot of lot of tips like that. And I will provide some resources. There's a really great book. Uh, my friend uh, Madeline Melcher uh, wrote about how to create a good adoption profile book. And I'll share that resource with you. Uh, Because that'll help you really get into the details on your adoption profile. Uh, But how do you, well, the other part of the question was, how do you locate an expectant mom? And I know if you're working with an agency like Bethany, that's part of what you do is you help 
people find and match with an expectant mom, right? Right, right. Yeah. So if you're working with, with some agencies, they're going to, the moms will be coming to them. So like our families are not out looking for expectant parents. We're working with expectant parents and they're choosing from the, the families that are waiting with us. But what other people have done um, has been you can have like a Facebook page, you know, that that's specific to your adoption and, and create that. I always encourage people to kind of do their own marketing, you know, and no matter what route you're going through, like let people know that you're adopting. Yep. You never know who's going to know someone who's going to know someone that is experiencing an unplanned pregnancy and, you know, doesn't really know where to start. Uh, adoptions happen that way all the time. So, you know, definitely put yourself out there. You don't have to show share all the details, but just that people know that you're interested in adopting can go a long way. A lot of places, agencies, uh, attorneys might have like a website where you can have an online version of your portfolio and that would be a way that expectant parents would find you just anything online I think is really important nowadays just because of the the general age of expectant parents and the way that technology has just exploded over the last few years and the nature of just experiencing an unplanned pregnancy it, it's not something that you shout from the roof, rooftops if you're <laughs> experiencing exactly, that right. so these expectant parents, when they're looking for an adoptive family or someone to help them, they're doing it online. You know, they're Googling yep. unplanned pregnancy and seeing what comes up. So, you know, anything you can do that, that puts yourself out there on the Internet. And obviously, if you're doing that, do not share confidential information. Like, don't put your home address and stuff out there. So you have to be careful about what you share. But it can be a really a good way to... To find someone. Yeah. And there are services online like adoptimist.com that um, that's what they do is they list families online and, and expected parents can go on there and look and look at all the families that are ready and home study approved and ready to go um, with, that would love to adopt. So there's definitely services out there like that too. And one thing I would add is uh, I would, I agree with you totally about the internet. I mean, it, and social media has made a huge difference in allowing us to communicate and connect I'm much faster in much different ways. And one thing I would add that really worked for us is creating an adoption profile video. So we just made a little two minute video about ourselves. And it's a little bit different than what we put on our printed profile on our profile that we put online. And it was just a way for us to be on camera and say, hi, here we are. Here's who we are. And, yeah. and show them a little bit of clips about what, you know, us, here's what we do. We play, we play games on the floor we love to go out to the park and here we are going, walking through the park. You know, those kinds of things really help get a visual. Cause like you said, an expectant mom may be sitting in her house and not have anybody else to talk to about how scared she is and the crisis that she's in, but she can look on her phone and go, Oh, here's a family. Here's a video. Mm -hmm. Here's how, here's wow. They're real people. They really want to adopt and they're really cool. And here's how I can connect with them and find out more about them. So just one important thing to add. I think that really helped us. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea. Wow. We've covered a lot of topics. There's a lot more we can cover. I just want to 
really touch on one more important thing, which is the risks of infant adoption, like financial, emotional risks that mm. families can, um, that all families will have when you go into an adoption journey. Um, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, money involved, but there's also a lot of emotions involved as you're really reaching out and putting yourself out there. Can you talk about mm -hmm. that? What kind of risks there are? Yeah. I mean, just to touch on emotional risks, it, it kind of goes without saying in adoption that you, you kind of do have to put yourself out there. And that can be really hard, you know, especially, again, if you've, if you've dealt with any kind of infertility, you don't want to do it. You don't want to put your heart out there and risk it being stomped on, but you kind of have to, to be, you know, in an adoption. You're stepping out in faith on mm -hmm. this journey and having faith that the right expectant parent is going to come into your life and the right child is going to come into your life exactly when it's supposed to happen. But it's really scary. It, it, Like I said before, this process can be very isolating if you let it, but it doesn't have to be. So again, reaching out and having a support group that can kind of help you when the going gets rough um, will go a long way to help you with that emotional side of it. Uh, financial risk, again, adoption is really expensive. Depending on the route that you go through, you may also be paying for expectant parent expenses, things like medical things or housing, you know, food, that sort of thing. So depending on the route you go, if, if you're paying for those expenses for the expectant parent and then she did decide to parent in the end, you would not be getting that money back. So that is a risk <laughs> yes. uh, to, to kind of, you know, be aware of. And then obviously there's legal risk and that will vary by state. So whatever state you're in, when you're doing your research to find your, your facilitator or your attorney or your agency, you know, be sure you ask them about the legal risk part of adoption and make sure that you're satisfied with their level of knowledge of the answer. Yeah, very good advice. Yeah, I mean, adoption attorneys are your best friend because they, like you said, every state has their own adoption laws. And we've found that uh, after adopting through uh, two different states that they can be completely different. So, yeah, yeah. and you can't possibly understand uh, what all the adoption laws are. So having a good adoption attorney at Quad A, like you said before, um, and we'll provide that resource here uh, so you can find your attorney close to you. That is, uh, that's what they do. They are, they are adoption attorneys. That's all they do. That's uh, good, good advice. Um, and the risks can be scary, but like you said, you put yourself out there. The rewards are amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to wrap up and I just wanted to see if you could provide the, the folks with some resources where they could go to dive into deeper, maybe some of these topics that we've covered. Cause uh, these are huge topics. And uh, mm -hmm. there's obviously a lot more information for people to, to learn from. So what are some resources you can give the folks? Well, so if I can recommend a couple of different websites, uh, one that we refer people to is called Adoption Learning Partners. I think it's .com. Yeah. Um, yep. And they have just a plethora of webinars, all sorts of educational things that you can learn more, you know, podcasts, stuff like that, that you can learn more about adoption. 
the other resource that I really enjoy is called Creating a Family, and that is also a website. And they are focused on adoption and infertility both. So they have great resources for both of those. They do a blog. They have a radio show that you can subscribe to. They have tons of articles. They have this like link that's called Adoption A to Z, and it's like literally <laughs> A to Z, like all of these different topics. They have information on, you know, the effects of drugs on pregnancy and the adoption tax credit and, you know, just yep. anything you would want to know. So that's a really great resource as well. And of course you can go to infantadoptionguide.com and look at our, <laughs> look at all my yeah, articles. Totally. I, yeah, I'm nowhere. I'm nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of good stuff too. A lot of, uh, and uh, we've had some amazing guests on the podcast. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Um, all those episodes, um, uh, this is episode 47. So we got a lot of them out there. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Wow. We've covered a lot and it, I just want to encourage folks, please uh, don't just take this lightly that, Hey, we're just skimming the topics and, and, and leaving it go. Please do uh, your due diligence, go and, and dig deeper into each one of these topics. They're big topics. And like we said earlier, community is huge. Um, get involved. Um, even if you, we have Facebook groups even. Um, and be careful what you, you find, especially online. Uh, there can mm -hmm. be some real negativity there and people that may not support you and your questions. So be careful a little bit there. Um, I would, I really love community offline because you can talk to people and really understand their stories and meet them and get their real world um, examples. But there are some good, good communities online too um, that you can find. Um, and we'll put all these these tips, these resources, uh, these links all in the show notes for today's episode. And um, I just want to thank you, Kayana, for coming on. This has uh, been great. You've been an amazing resource, and uh, you have such a cool perspective in the adoption world. I'm so thankful to have you on. It has been a privilege for us to, to have you on and, and cover everything. Yeah, thank you so much. It was my pleasure to do it, and I know that you know, starting this process is really scary. There's just so much information and it feels so overwhelming. So things like this, and I know that you have other shows that kind of go into more depth on specific topics. And that is just so helpful for families that are starting this journey. So thank you for what you do. Yep. Thank you for coming on. And how would the people get communicate with you? If they wanted to find you and uh, the Bethany organization more about you, where would they go? Yeah, so the, the website for Bethany, for all of Bethany, is www.bethany.org. And then to find me specifically, um, they can email me. My email address is kcarr at bethany.org. Bethany is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y. Okay. Yeah, and if you go to bethany.org, you can find your closest uh, location to you where you are at so you yeah. can find them pretty easy and, and contact your uh, local um, chapter local version local local agency of, of bethany they're all over the place all over the country so well thank you so much again for coming on we covered a lot and you did a great job appreciate you coming on today yeah thank you so much all right. What a fantastic interview with Kiana. I mean, we covered so many topics. She gave some amazing tips and great information and what a perspective um, dealing with 
all the adoption triad and just really provided a lot of inspiration. I hope she inspired you and provided you with the hope that you can do this. You can build your family through adoption. It's really a beautiful thing. I hope you, if you haven't started, I hope you do start. And if you ever already started, continue doing research. Don't get into overload of uh, analysis paralysis before you start. Um, but do your due diligence and make sure you understand the process. Talk to a lot of people, talk with, um, build your community. Like we talked about in the episode and you can find all the highlights and the links that we talked about on today's show at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 47. And I'm not sure where you are on the adoption journey. Maybe you've started, maybe you haven't, but I'd love to help you along the way. If I can just go to infantadoptionguide.com. You'll see the free adoption resources I have for you. Just enter your email address and your first name. You'll get them and a whole bunch more good stuff from me. And just go to infantadoptionguide.com. I can't wait to connect with you. See where you are on your adoption journey and see how you build your family. So thanks for listening. Until next time, you are in my prayers as you go on the journey to build your family through infant adoption. God bless you. Thanks for listening to my dad.